back, lawyer listeners. Welcome, new listeners, to Runkle Recaps, How I Met Your Podcast. This is Season 5, Episode 11, Last Cigarette Ever. And this precious porcelain <laughs> unicorn over here next to me is my co-host, Jen. Hello. I'm just co-host now? What? Did I get demoted? Well, sometimes I say why, sometimes I say co-host. What's your, what's your complaint? I don't know. I you had a lot of complaints last week as I edited the podcast. <laughs> are, are we starting this again? I'm not complaining. I'm just noting my introduction the day before our 10-year wedding anniversary. Sorry, everyone. Jen is about 20 hours off of her last cigarette, having just quit, <laughs> and is very grumpy. Don't put that slander out into the world. I do not smoke. When was the last time you had a cigarette? I think you've had a few in your life, right? I would bet... I have not had one since we moved to Maryland, and probably years before that, so mm-hmm. at least nine to ten years. Well, I've had a lot of last cigarettes ever in my life, <laughs> so I could relate very closely to this episode, and it's a very funny episode. I can't. I mean, I, I by being the spouse of somebody who has struggled with smoking, I, I get it, and friends and stuff, but personally, like... It just never worked for me. Like, I tried. I bought into the whole, like, oh, I'm stressed out. I need to have a cigarette. And it just never, like, I luckily, it yeah, just did avoiding not. vices. You yeah. have a lot of other problems. You don't need that Oh, one. yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, luckily that, that never stuck with me. So, yeah, I never, I don't think I, there was ever a point where I was like, oh, this is the last one I'm ever going to have. It was just like, oh, this is becoming less and less enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And it would only ever be like, oh, every few months or whatever, somebody would be smoking outside of a bar, and I'd you know, come with and maybe have one. But that just got to the point where I was like, eh, I don't even want to do that. I smoked a little bit in sixth grade. Oh, really? Yeah. we. That's back when you could buy cigarettes from a cigarette machine, and they'd sometimes have them in hotels. Oh, I used to be able to buy cigarettes for my parents. Like, they would send me to the store and be like, oh, buy me parents. a pack of cigarettes, and the cashier would sell them to me. Wow. But... If we went into the hotel, the cigarette machine wasn't by the front desk or anything. It was like down in the a lower floor, and we could go in and buy some. And I got caught sm- smoking before school in the woods next to the school in sixth grade with a few of my friends. Actually, some of them by were who, even, like a teacher. Or? Yeah, the the assistant vice principal. Oh, I'm sorry, the vice. Principal, so not assistant vice principal, okay. but the vice principal caught us, brought us inside, made us all call our parents. Oh no! And my mom gets on, she gets told what happened, and then the phone's handed to me, and she goes, "Steven, yeah, mom, um, I'm ashamed to have you as my son," and then hung up. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow, that so, is brutal. You know, I'm eleven. And I love it. And I, I, my eyes immediately start tearing. <laughs> I think I was the first one pulled in to call the parents, too. And I go out, and all these guys are looking at me with, like, tears in my eyes. And they're like, how to go? I was like, just shook my, hand and walked, shook my head and walked away real quickly. Oh, my God. I was such a baby. Yeah, I'd say probably my first cigarette was when I was 18. 17, possibly, but I'm guessing it was 18. Well, I don't smoke now, although I will not... Confess how recently I've had a cigarette. <laughs> that being said, let's get into this. Although, I do want to mention, actually, first of all, we don't have any emails this week. Okay. But I did 
want to read something before we start this podcast. I've mentioned before, I think, maybe, that I am now reading Bob Odenkirk's memoirs. And I just got to the part where he talks about when he got the offer for Breaking Bad. And I've mentioned on this podcast before that the only reason the Mike Armentrout character ended up on Breaking Bad was because Bob Odenkirk couldn't make it for that for one of the episodes because he was caught up in an agreement to do a few episodes of How I Met Your Mother. Which I've got to say has just got to be like the most amazing <laughs> A thing that has happened. Like, Mike Armitrand is such a great character, and so, like, to imagine that show without him is just crazy. Agreed. It was fortuitous. It was serendipitous. Yes, those are all the words I was <laughs> trying to come up with that I wasn't getting to. Well, I'm going to read the excerpt from his book, because it's, it's very complimentary to How I Met Your Mother, I think. Sounds good. He writes... This is after he got the offer and for uh, Breaking Bad and read the script. And then I think it, it had already been a whole first season in before he got the offer. They didn't bring Saul until the next season, to the okay. second season. So he hadn't been watching it, but he had asked one of his friends who watches a lot of different shows. And his friend said, are you crazy? You've got to take it. It was Breaking Bad, like, big off the bat. It was... I didn't watch it on the original run. Yeah, it was big off the bat. Once the you know water cooler conversation mm-hmm. got around, you have to watch a show. And it was just so much more addictive and extreme than other shows had been before, except maybe uh, Sopranos was probably very similar in that regard. So he writes, after he decided to take the role, I told my agent, I'm in. They wanted me for three or four episodes to serve their story needs. But I could only commit to three because I was already penciled in for an episode of How I Met Your Mother, where I had a recurring part on perhaps the happiest set I've ever been on in Los Angeles. A word about How I Met Your Mother. Those people had to be on something. Everyone was too happy and kind. I'd never seen so many smiling actors. Him Yim, as it's (laughs) acronymous. Acronymically? Yeah, wow. Acronymically (laughs) called. Never seen that word before. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, nor I, and because it's the first time I've ever read it, although I guess I read it while I was reading this to myself, but saying that this is the first time I said that word out loud, <laughs> <Right>. clearly. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. <laughs> was in, uh, sorry, Himium, as it's acronymically called, was in season three already, well into it, when I made a few stops in. So where were the exhausted, jaded, entitled celebs? Nowhere to be found. It was the most gung-ho, upbeat set I've ever been on. I didn't believe it at first, but after a few visits, I believed it. The best people ever, and happy to be right where they were. Oh. And then he, write, and then he goes on to say, because of what I wasn't available for, for all four episodes of Breaking Bad, Vince Gilligan needed to invent yet another character to do some story work. So, on the seventh day, he created Mike Ermintrout. The seventh day, I guess he's making a God and Sunday mm-hmm. reference. Yes. <laughs> and found the perfect actor to inhabit the irascible sweetheart fixer, the great man, Jonathan Banks. Hmm, What a happy little story. Mm -hmm. Okay. We will talk a little bit about the last episode of How I Met Your Father that we watched. Yes. We watched it two nights ago, so it's not that fresh, but I don't think we have a lot to say about it. Nah, we'll save it till the end. Right. We'll save it to the end so that way we can say, okay, we're going to talk about it now. So folks that aren't watching it and don't want to hear any sort of recap or mention of it can just check out. Okay, so last cigarette ever. 
I love this episode. A lot of laughs. When you come into an episode and you don't remember what all the different storylines are and then some are nice surprises, I sort of found that about this one because the artillery Arthur being in the same one as Don being kind of a uh, screw up on the show. Right. Um, and then the Lily with her voice <laughs> and I, three really great things came together in this episode that I was think back on very fondly and look forward to seeing again. Yeah. It's a very good episode. Very funny. All right. We start off with narrator Ted or older Ted as the transcript I printed out for this says, and he introduces it with Robin on her talk show. Um, it was on so early that it turns out her cameraman was falling asleep on the job, and you can see the camera sort of sloping down as right. he's falling off, and she has to wake him back up. But then Don came. Robin comes home from the job, asks Ted, who's sitting on the couch, if he saw the show. I like his line. Oh, I meant to watch it. I just got so busy with the whole being a sound asleep thing. It took all night, eight hours down the drain. Hmm. I would pick that as one you wouldn't have liked. No, I did. I liked the sarcasm in it. <laughs> we go back to the flashback of her meeting Don in the studio. He's a new co-host, and we learn from the narrator that Don is a seasoned veteran of no fewer than 38 local morning news teams. And he's been all over. So, like, they almost say that, like, that's a good thing to me. That's like, what's up with this guy that he's <laughs> moving from place to place? I don't know the biz. Right. And I don't know that they're saying it's a good thing. Well, he they're, was an they industry, are saying an industry legend. legend. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's got a good connotation to right. it. Right. We go back to the old Ted and Marshall of saying she's going to find somebody and says that she's going to hit <laughs> right. And she sort of just blows that off. Right. But she's excited. She thinks it's going to be a good partnership. And then we get to the crux of the show. She <laughs> says she's going to go stand up upstairs by herself for five minutes. All right. So... Here's where Ted reveals that Robin was going up to the roof to smoke. We see the kids who react strongly to this. Um, and then I noticed that what the kids are wearing are definitely different outfits than they usually wear. So, Well, I have a fun fact for you. That clip was actually from the pilot. So it was just reused. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, the next episode after the pilot, the, the boy was wearing a hoodie. Okay. And I think they also, like, they they would do a whole bunch of scenes in one day, and they changed their outfit. So they very purposely made it so it was different for it was different days that he was narrating okay. the story to them. Gotcha. But yeah, I thought that was funny, because that's the, like, the reaction when Ted reveals that he told Robin, Yeah, I that's true. The narrator talks about how Robin was not a full-time smoker, but a, smoked on occasion and then sometimes more frequently, and then we get some good shots of her. Doing it while she's having her morning cereal, while she's brushing her teeth, while she's doing yoga. So it's some funny shots of people smoking in situations that they would never actually smoke in. Right. So everybody kind of, or no, I guess not everybody, Marshall and Ted enter the apartment and see Robin doing the yoga. And Ted (laughs) tells her she's not allowed to do it because she torched the throw rug doing (laughs) (laughs) push-ups. We don't get to see a clip of that, but another... Incident of her being silly. That makes me think of Vince Vaughn on the rings in old school, smoking <laughs> right. a cigarette while he's holding himself up. And Marshall starts giving her a little bit of crap and then asks if he can have one. Right. And so, you know, as the episode goes on and Ted slowly makes a reveal of everybody that smokes, we get the same cut back to the kids having the what reaction. Mm-hmm. We get a, a very far flashback of 
Marshall's first time having a cigarette. It's him and a friend at age 13 on a camping trip. I like how it's their summer break, but they're in winter clothes. <laughs> and it's snowed And it's snowed <laughs> out in Minnesota. Now, this kid looks nothing like the Marshall at 15, two years later, that we know him to look <laughs> right. like. Because wasn't that how old he was when he was writing the letter to himself at 30? I think so, yeah. Right, so... I don't. I guess they couldn't have tried to age him all the way down to thirteen. No, and then you could maybe have find that. a kid that looks more like him. Yes, but yeah, but if they had done that, they also couldn't have done the like him coming into the flashback. Right. So fight just with find a kid that looks a lot more like him. It's not that hard. There's millions of actors out there right. looking for work. Um, I would like to point out that my hometown um, got snow today <laughs> at the end of April. DC used to get snow way into April. Oh really? I'm yeah. Like, I've never seen that here. It used to be just so unpredictable. <laughs> Sorry, Roxy's looking at us very funny from behind a pillow. <laughs> you can't stop the snoring. All right. Marshall says that this cigarette's going to be a last cigarette ever for him. Ted said that that happens quite often, and we get a And it montage. happened um, in that flashback, too. He said, it'll be my first and last cigarette ever, which, you know apparently is a theme that is carried on into his life. Right, and then so we get a montage of him saying last cigarette. <laughs> well... They do a, a fun thing where it's three different scenes, but mm-hmm. him's in the, a single sentence of last, next scene, cigarette, and then we hit him as a pirate, ever, <laughs> yeah, that was which a, made me laugh. Good use. <laughs> Ted suspects that this has something to do with the, the McRib going away. <laughs> I feel like, has the McRib come back since then? I feel like it has. On and off, I mean, I think it's a seasonal thing, but I f- also feel like I haven't seen it for several years. Yeah, I think it was gone for a while and then maybe came back, but I, I've... No interest in trying that, so. I think it, it's taken a hit because what it's they discovered what it's made of, and it's not what I, you would expect I out of a rib. I, yeah. I never would have expected McDonald's to actually be serving ribs, so. <laughs> I mean, that's, the McRib, I think, has been around longer than you've been alive. Yeah, and I'm not a McDonald's snob. Like, I will happily eat myself, you know, a Big Mac or Quarter Pounder, but McRib just, that just seemed way too made of weird things for me. Now, is McDonald's the only fast food place to bring something back seasonally? And that that doesn't count Starbucks. So the McRib would come back once a year, I think, for about a month or two. And they also do that with... And then go away. um, Like the Shamrock Shakes. So I'm curious. I I don't feel like I've ever heard of Burger King doing something similar or Wendy's or... Right. Or anything. Not that I can think of. I mean, I feel like... Not seasonally, but I think like Chipotle will bring in new ingredients now and again. Different but, story, though. Yeah. So why is Marshall so stressed out that he needs a cigarette? Turns out they just hired a new head of the legal department, and he's letting people go. So Ted's wondering, you know, is that what you're worried about? And Barney chimes in that the head of the legal department is Arthur Hobbs. Artillery Arthur, yeah. Bob Odenkirk. And man, he is such a great fit with Goliath National Bank, isn't he? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's why it gets so confusing as to where was Marshall working before. Right. There's a lot because, of overlap. Yeah. Our, Arthur Hobbs is clearly going to each of the worst places. <laughs> it's hard to imagine that he got out of whatever trouble that last law firm got into. <laughs> right. When everyone got busted. Very true. Uh, so we get like, you know, a quick little flash of Marshall yelling at him. Um, Ted wants to know, like, okay, is he going to hold that against you? And Marshall says, it. no, it's worse. He doesn't even remember me. And that's, <laughs> yeah. those are the people he gets rid of, you know, unmemorable people. Yeah, we have the flashback at 
GMB of Marshall trying to remind him where they know each other from. And Marshall says that they had a screaming match where Marshall suggested that he takes his head and stores it within himself in a fashion that, <clears throat> well, while space-saving might limit its exposure to sunshine, and Arthur goes, goes on to say that that describes 95% of his employees and everyone in his family, except for his dog. And then he, like, looks at the ground like the dog's there, and Marshall kind of, like, <laughs> looks down and then looks back at him, like, very confused. He's such a good boy. <laughs> and so we get not a real return of Tugboat, but at least reference to Tugboat, which I appreciate. Yeah, actually, he talks a lot about... But he never says Tugboat in this one, does he? No, we just know it's Tugboat. Okay. Because we're weird and we remember that dog's name for some reason. <laughs> like... He's such a good boy. Well, I'll see you, Randall Wilkerson, Marshall Erickson. Gary Dinglersfield, right. <laughs> right, so this is where Barney chimes in. Why is it so funny with him and his dog? I don't know what it is. <laughs> he's just so obsessed with this dog. But it's the dichotomy, too, of, like, he's horrible to people, but he, like, loves this dog so much that it, like, becomes a regular topic of conversation at work. Yeah, and he seems to care nothing for his children, but we'll get there. <laughs> right. So Ted thinks it's a good thing he doesn't remember Marshall, but Barney says, no, that's worse. He fires people he doesn't know who they are, when he doesn't know who they are. Like, what's his face, who I he guess became, where's his face? Boo. Yeah, that was a, that was a pretty dark joke. But yeah, that was bad. Marshall thinks that if he only has two cigarettes in 24 hours, it's fine, as long as he doesn't have a third. And now, did you have any sort of rule around this? No, but I went through so many versions of how I would quit. There was the wean myself off of it. Okay, this month, I'm only going to have 40 cigarettes. Oh, jeez. And then next month, I'll only have 35. And I kept finding new ways to try and get it out of my life. And then sometimes it would work, and I'd get it out of my life, and then it would come back somehow (laughs) six to 12 months later. (laughs) I never smoked a lot, though. I was never a pack a day. I, I think... Maybe at my worst, I might have been half a pack a day. And yeah, then, you were smoking quite a bit when we met. And then I, got, I was down to maybe a pack a week for a long time. And then mm-hmm. I was even down to a pack a month for a while. It's much better. Ted wants to know what's, what's Lily going to do when she finds out you smoked. And then we see that Marshall has a system. <laughs> Very elaborate. So he's smoking in his underwear, so clearly he doesn't get any of the smell of smoke on his clothes. He's showering and like scrubbing his tongue. He's putting putting cologne, and then he sprays it into his mouth, and the look (laughs) on his face is very Muppet cartoonish. It's what you would expect your face to look like if you ingested cologne. And they show him coming back in. Hey, Lil, you smoked. Now, this is you the last time I was smoking, is that I would do everything I could to get rid of the smell, (laughs) but I guess there was like a nicotine-esque thing in my... Deep in me, and you would smell that. Yep. You're like, you smoked, didn't you? I was like, I had one cigarette this morning. (laughs) What the hell? I am absolutely Lily for some reason. I just, I. You've always had a good sense of smell. Yeah, and I just hate the smell of cigarette smoke so much that, yeah, I can identify it a mile away. Can't get away with anything. Hmm. I think at one point you were like, I had a cigarette at work. It was like hours and hours. No, that's what I was saying. It was like this morning, (laughs) before lunch. I wasn't even here. I had. Fragrant gum sense. <laughs> but it lingers. Okay, we're back at the studio, and Robin's getting ready to go on with Don. She's pretty excited about this, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And right away, Don's incompetent. He misreads something, and he loses track of what's going on in the teleprompter. I like him saying, look at that, teleprompter's still running. Something about a woman giving birth on an uptown bus. Well, no point jumping in halfway. <laughs> right. Like he just says, ah, screw it. <laughs> Literally his third sentence on She ended here. up cutting the cord with a Metro Pass. Did she cut her own cord? Apparently. Or was it maybe the bus maybe. driver? That was yeah, I guess we don't get the clarification on who did that. Robin comes at him, but he's like, look, I've been around quite a bit, and this none of this matters. He's, he's saying that nobody's watching this show. and So he's talking about how the viewing audience is one half-drunk slob. Robin thinks, well, let's do it for that one half-drunk slob. And then Don says, I'm sure he'll appreciate it, and stands up, and he's wearing tidy whities <laughs> Right. Waist down from the waist up, he's got a suit and a tie. So he's like the original like Zoom-compliant outfit going... I guess so. I mean, there, there's a lot of examples of newscasters wearing non-dress pants oh, really? below the desk level. Oh, I don't think I've seen that. That's, that's sort of an old, I don't want to say tradition. They, they've been making fun of that and talking about that for a long time in the news hmm. industry. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I've literally never heard Because you never see them, the anchors, you never see them waist down. So it doesn't matter the what weather they weatherman you do. Yes, weatherman you do. So if it was Vampire Lou... <laughs> He better be wearing pants. Was Vampire Lou the weatherman? Yeah, he was also the weatherman. Okay. <laughs> Marshall's at work. He's craving a cigarette. And then since he goes up for fresh air, because he's having trouble resisting a cigarette, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell if that meant that he was going to go up and have a cigarette, but I guess he didn't have any cigarettes on him. Yeah, no, it seemed like he genuinely wasn't because he turns Arthur down at first. I guess he just needed to get away from his desk. Yeah. He goes up there. Arthur... Mistakes him for a jumper. <laughs> Very casual. You're not a jumper, are you? I don't need that in my file. Again. <laughs> and then Arthur sort of coaxes him in to come and have a cigarette with him. He says that getting to know somebody over a smoke... said people are very interchangeable, but when you get to know somebody over a smoke, you really develop a bond. And so Marshall thinks this is a good chance for me to keep my job, so he takes one. Right. And so in this sentence, he refers to him as Jeffrey, and then he takes the cigarette, reintroduces himself, and then Arthur actually, like, it clicks for him. Like, okay, tell me something, Marshall Erickson. Do you want to see the picture of the cutest dog in the world? (laughs) And he, like, doesn't even, like, show it to Marshall. He's just looking at it himself. Like, oh, he's such a good boy. So Marshall, we're back in the apartment. He says, yeah, he smoked. Yeah, Lily calls him out again. It's the third in the day, which makes him a smoker now. He bought a pack on the way home, a lighter, and a Vikings lamp, which has nothing to do with anything, but I saw it in the window and I liked it. And I love <laughs> Lily's line delivery here. Damn it, Marshall, we already have four Viking lamps. It's smoking kills. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, it's just such a... I didn't like that It's such that a sequence. throwaway line, but it's so funny to me, and it's, it's all in her delivery. We go back to the roof, and they're still talking about his dog, or they're talking about his dog again, and then we see that Arthur has a shirt with Tugboat on his shirt, and then wants Marshall to pet his shirt dog. (laughs) Right. I don't remember this scene. I wonder if it wasn't usually in the TV version. No, I don't remember it either. And not only is Marshall supposed to pet the dog, he's supposed to, like, rub him under the chin. (laughs) Yeah, he likes that. And then Arthur barks at him like he's the dog. It's so stupid. Weird to see that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it gets cut for TV a lot. 
So Lily says, all right, give me the pack of cigarettes and your lighter. And then Lily lays back and lights up a cigarette. Right. And the kids say, what? Right. And so we come to learn that anytime Marshall starts smoking again, Lily joins right in. We go over to the studio for News 1 or whatever it's called. And Don wants to know what Robin's up to. She's writing a letter to City Hall to try and get the mayor on the show. Don's very dismissive, calls her adorable, and then just basically says, like, the mayor's not going to come on the show. Nobody watches this. And she says, you know, just because you've given up doesn't mean I need to. I, I still have a chance of getting on a network. And then he reveals that I've been on a network. And then he gives a speech about how great it is to be on a network. And I'm 100% sure that they, this is an homage to a scene in the movie Bull Durham. Bull Durham is a movie made in the mid-'80s, I want to say, starring Kevin Costner, and it surrounds a minor league baseball team. And Kevin Costner's the sort of veteran minor league player who never really leaves the minor leagues, and he's brought in to help groom a new pitcher they have played by Tim Robbins. They're on a bus ride going to their next game, and... Kevin Costner's lecturing Tim Robbins about how his antics won't play in the majors. And Tim Robbins says, Why, what, have you, how would you know what it's like in the majors? And, or have you been to the show? And Kevin Costner's character, Crash Davis, says, yeah, I've been to the show. And everyone's wrapped with attention that's in, on the bus and wants to hear about it. So I'll read Kevin Costner's speech first. They're not exactly the same, but it's of the same tone. Yeah, I think I did read in some of the trivia that it was based on that. Crash Davis says, yeah, I was in the show. I was in the show for 21 days once, the 21 greatest days of my life. You know, you never handle your luggage in the show. Somebody else carries your bags. It was great. You hit white balls for batting practice. The ballparks are like cathedrals. The hotels all have room service. And the women all have long legs and brains. <laughs> okay, yeah, I can see some correlation. So Don says, it was the best Labor Day weekend of my life. When you do the news, you're in these ergonomic chairs. It feels like you're sitting on a cloud, which was nice because it was right after my colonoscopy. And the dressing rooms. Oh, Mike asks, there's dressing rooms? You bet your sweet headset there's dressing rooms, Mike. No changing in the KFC bathroom across the street. No, sir. It was heaven. So that's basically it. And then he got kicked out because he was he got fired because he was getting too drunk after his divorce. That'll happen. Robin says, and you know, you end up doing. He, he keep goes on and says, you end up doing the news in your tidy whities. Robin says, all right, that was your choice, and she doesn't like that it's catching on. And then we get like a parade of crewmen all walking by it, <laughs> and Don cheering them on, looking good, <laughs> fellas. Feels freeing, right? Terrible. Robin meets up with the gang on the street outside of McLaren's. She's complaining about Don and disagrees with him that no one watches, their, watches their, the show like her friends watch it, right? And we got... I don't know why she Lillian keeps Marshall. asking this. Yeah, she knows. <laughs> she really puts her friends in these uncomfortable situations. Be like, no, it's on at 3 a.m. I'm not watching that. Yeah, so they pretend again <laughs> that they watch it. But I do like how she says, okay, really? What color is the set? And Marshall says... It's black with silver around the edges. Like, not your TV set, my show set. <laughs> right. That was, that was kind of a good... I did like that. Curveball. 
And she gets a little frustrated. Like, even if her best friends don't watch, who is going to watch? Marshall lists a bunch of people that it doesn't help how he's describing what the people are that might be watching. <laughs> right. And Lily asks with enthusiasm, do you have any stalkers? <laughs> Robin says, yeah, but even Leonard won't watch the show. <laughs> Which I wonder, did he, like, <laughs> write her a letter to tell her he's not going to watch it? Like, how does she know this? Yeah, good question. We go inside McLaren's where... Ted and Barney are talking about how everyone everyone's outside smoking, and Barney reminisces. Remember when we used to smoke in the bars, and they get a cut back to where they can't you can't see anything. It's just all smoke. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those things. Like I feel like you didn't really realize how bad it was until it wasn't a thing anymore. Like when bars right. started like going non smoking, and then you would go to one that was still smoking. It's just like, oh god, did my clothes smell like this every time I went to a bar before? Yeah, I remember Pennsylvania was further behind on the right. cutting out of bars. When you lived in Erie, you lived down the street from a bar that we both liked called was it Johnny's Wife's Place? Oh, that was Jeanette, not Erie. I'm sorry. Yeah, I meant Jeanette, which was a suburb of Pittsburgh. But it was Johnny's Wife's Place. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the bar. Yep. I wonder if that's still there. And I got very bar. excited to go visit it because you could still smoke in it <laughs> at that time. I think you still smoked outside, though. So I wouldn't bother you. I think I did, yeah. Thank you. But Thank not you. early on. Early on, I didn't care. I think that was maybe a year <laughs> into our relationship where I started doing that for you. <laughs> okay. I think. I'm not positive. Well, you and, you and I went out... A couple years ago, maybe it was three or four years ago, for our anniversary in Old Town Alexandria, which is in Virginia, right outside D.C. And we went to a number of bars, and we went into one that I really liked, except for the problem was they had smoking, and people started smoking. And so you and I left. Yeah, that's a deal breaker for me. (laughs) Yeah, Ben and I went into that bar. My brother, Ben, and I, we were out Saturday night in Old Town. And so we went into that bar, and I noticed there were still ashtrays. On That's the bar. so crazy. And then at first a couple of people were smoking cigars. I was like, oh, no, no big deal. I don't mind that so much. And then people, including the bartender, started smoking cigarettes. Jeez. And we're like, all right, time to go. Wow. I couldn't believe they still allow smoking there. I know. That's bananas. Ted and Barney decide to go out and join them. Robin accuses them of being smokers just like the rest of them. And Barney points out he's not a smoker. He only smokes in certain situations. And I like this. I like his list, which includes both... Post-coital, coital, and pre-coital. pre-coital. <laughs> and Ted's like, why are you smoking right now? I'm always pre-coital, Ted. And just the way he says it is so good. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, maybe smoking's not so bad. They get fresh air, and Barney says that coughing really works his abs. He should have stopped there when he started to cough and go, I am ripped. Right. That ruined it. Yeah. Ruined a perfectly good joke. But the narrator says, after a bit of time... The glamour of it went away, and they all had their breaking point. So we get Lily in bed late at night, coughing or clearing her throat, and Marshall asks if she's okay, and in a very Harvey Firestein voice, it's says, him. Is it actually? It him? is actually him. Because I, I looked at IMDb, it doesn't say it in IMDb. Oh, it was in the trivia, and so that's why I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> so it, and then it was in two spots, like in the credits, and then in like a trivia. Oh, I missed that, and I I was yeah, I had at, never know. I was looking that. at the IMDb trivia; they didn't have that there. Oh, and I looked okay. in the cast, and it didn't have them there either. Really? Oh, that's so surprising. Maybe it was like a special thanks to area of the cast that I didn't look at. but Yeah, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense, but I never knew that before. So she says, actually, baby, my throat's a bit sore. 
<laughs> so not only does she have a raspy voice, but she's got a very Long Island accent now. Right. We cut um, to Ted walking up you know, the stairs to his apartment, and by the time he gets to the top, he's all sweaty and out of breath. Soaked in sweat. Barney freaks out because he has a burn mark on his tie. And then we cut to the roof. Marshall's up there with Arthur again. Mar- Arthur's telling a story of, so I'm whapping him across the nose with the newspaper, right? And my wife says, come on, you can't treat your son like that. Which always gives me a really good laugh because just remembering the first time I saw it, you think that he's talking about his dog. Right. No, he would never treat Tugboat that way. But Marshall's got like a smile on his face laughing at his story as this goes. Oh, does he? I yeah. thought he kind of reacted when he finds out it's the kid. And Maybe not he the dog. did, but he had to say it was the kid before he started the st- as at the beginning of the story because he said I'm lapping him across the nose. Right. Yeah, that's unclear. But then all of a sudden, <laughs> Arthur collapses and apparently is having a heart attack, and then we never hear anything again. So for the rest of the series, well, at least or this, you mean episode, this episode. Like I don't, and I don't remember if he ever comes back. I feel like that was like at least a little bit of a hole. Yeah, I want to say he does, but I, I just can't remember when. He said he was on three episodes in the book, I believe. So I think maybe there's got to be one more. Or was he in two early on and this was the third? So I can remember the one where it's take your kid to work day. Mm -hmm. Where Marshall quits. Was there another one Was that the same? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, hopefully he comes back. Otherwise we're left with this very unknown. Is Arthur still alive? Okay. Yeah, he was... In my list, I can't remember where he landed, but I'm looking on IMDb and it says he was in eight episodes. I definitely would not have guessed that. And it looks like a lot of them are still coming up. I wonder if he got cut from some of them. So he's in Chain of Screaming. That's the one we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. Last Cigarette Ever. Okay, so this is his second. Okay, so he has one, two, three, four, five, six more. Wow. There's Canning Randy. That makes sense, because he's probably telling... Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. That's one where he has like the same color tie as somebody, and he's going to fire them. Probably. Natural History. That's the one where... Marshall in the museum. Yeah. Garbage Island. Yeah, I, I don't remember in the, him in these other ones. He's even in the prenup, where Barney and... And Quinn. Quinn ultimately break up. Hmm. Wow. we got a long way to go. All right. With, uh, well, we're going to get a lot of Bob Odenkirk coming up. That's exciting. So he lives, Jen. Okay. No, that's good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, clearly I do not remember those upcoming episodes very well. They're talking about Quinn smoking now. I think they're affected by Arthur's heart attack. And we get a, an imaginary moment of modern Marshall going and punching young Marshall in the gut. Yeah, trying to stop him from starting smoking to begin with and causing all of this. They talk about all quitting again. They're on the roof at this point, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like Barney's speech and the way he says it. Well, I am proud of you guys. I've heard how difficult it can be for smokers like yourself to quit. So <laughs> on behalf of non-smokers, I salute you, and I'm here to help. So hand in your cigarettes, and I will get rid of them one at a time. And then you want to do Lily? I can't do the voice. <laughs> You're quitting, doll face. I know I don't normally call you a doll face, but it kind of works with this voice. 
doll face. <laughs> so good. I'm guessing that's going to be your favorite line. It actually is not. I was actually guessing that was going to be your favorite line. <laughs> it's actually not. <laughs> Funny. Robin comes in bragging about how she's going to interview with the mayor tomorrow. They announce that, that they're all quitting smoking like hers. That's fantastic. I'm sick of you guys bumming my cigarettes. Like instead of being aligned with them. <laughs> right. She's very unaffected by all this until Ted sort of convinces her. Oh, well, first we get the Lily offering that if she quits, she can sleep with Marshall. Like, like that's a genuine, like, we'll do you a solid if you do this. Because when she says, I don't want to sleep with Marshall, they both, like... I've seen the looks. <laughs> right, and Lily gives her this look like, really? <laughs> well, I guess Marshall must have mentioned when he thought Robin was coming on to him in the car. When they were going to the airport. Right. <laughs> she doesn't want to quit because she's really nervous and feeling very stressed getting ready to interview the mayor. But Ted gives her a convincing speech that Bloomberg is an anti-smoking mayor and that she doesn't want to smell like smoke. For some reason, Ted thinks that they just have to get through the first 24 hours and after that it's a cakewalk. That is not even a little bit true. It's actually like a lot of people talk about how it takes three or four weeks for the nicotine to work itself out of your system. And then really? once it does, the cravings go down quite a bit. Hmm. Okay. I can't remember. But, yeah, at hour 26, they're all biting each other's head off. Yeah, they're annoyed that Barney's biting his nails. He's not. He's trying to suck the leftover nicotine out of his fingertips. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good line. Right. They're all just grumping at each other. And right. Ted wants to go to fisticuffs over some words with Marshall. It's the tapping of his foot. Yeah. Which escalated to right. fisticuffs. And leads to one of the contenders for the worst joke. What was that? Uh, maybe I should... Oh my God, Ted, I'm so sorry. Maybe I should move it a little bit closer to your ass. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> I like the way he delivers it. In, in the setup, it looks like he's going to come out with something really funny. Oh, I'm sorry, Ted. But yeah, move it closer to your ass. Yeah, it wasn't good. I mean, I guess he's trying to say maybe I'll kick your ass, but... Maybe. I didn't like it. We had another flashback to Marshall... Well, Marshall entering the flashback to (laughs) kick younger him in the ribs a few times. And then we're back at the studio. Don's running late. Someone someone used the microwave and the elevator stopped. That's how bad their building is. Robin's trying to keep Don away as she's prepping. She doesn't want him to stress her out. She quits smoking. And this is where he says, Oh, you precious little porcelain unicorn, you. <laughs> I love that line. I hear that line a lot. Yeah, I say that to you a bit. <laughs> I say, actually, I use that outside of the house Do quite you? a bit, too. <laughs> I'm sure people at work really like you. <laughs> they like me as much as Artillery Arthur, I think. <laughs> So, yeah, Robin just starts letting loose on Don. You know, she cares about the show. She cares about the her career. And he's an obnoxious, lazy loser. And then he announces to her that the mayor canceled. And then they start the show right then and there. And as they're launching into their dialogue on the show, Don's trying to discourage Robin from trying. He even lights a cigarette. It's weird because while he's talking to her casually about, you know, give up, give in. Don't work so hard at this. Mm-hmm. She's still sort of trying to like face the camera and smile. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, like, I feel like anybody would in that situation. Like, this is still my job. Like, I still need to be doing. Like, this is going out live. He tells her she's never going to be a network anchor and she's never going to quit smoking. And then he lights up a cigarette and he goes, 
She's like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm enjoying a cigarette. Oh, yeah. That'll get you there. <laughs> There's something about the line, that'll get you there, that, that, that always tickles me. Yeah, that's a good one. He's trying to talk her into smoking on, on camera. She's refusing. And he offers that... <laughs> oh, he also points out that no one's watching. Even the camera is being held up by, uh, by a chair. <laughs> right. Even their cameraman's not watching their show right now. He's out getting chicken for everyone. And he offers that, you know, if this is bothering any, any viewers, please call in. Somehow they, they have no budget. They're a crap show, but he's able to pull up a phone number on the screen. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out, too. I mean, I guess the cameraman wouldn't be responsible for that. but like, The production would, but it was like I don't think production would be okay with him smoking. No. <laughs> I, I think this, this version of them together would at least have made the soup. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What was the New York? They always did show scenes from a New York oh my God. morning talk show. With that guy that was Mike always... Mike Kelly. Yeah, Mike Kelly, the oh guy that was always God. really obnoxious. Yes. And wasn't he the son of the fire chief of the... Or the police of... The chief of police of New York City at the time? Somebody important, yeah. But he was always really obnoxious and... Yeah, oh my God, that was so funny. <laughs> and Joel... McHale. Joel McHale just loved him and loved showing <laughs> right. shots of his... And he'd actually show them... Responding to Joel McHale on their show. Right. About putting them on the soup so much. <laughs> yeah, so I wonder I wonder if that's what this is supposed to be emulating a little bit. They do get a phone call at the studio. <laughs> I think that's probably Mike. He always forgets extra crispy. Hello. It's actually Marshall, Ted, and Lily, you know, encouraging her not to smoke. They're all very impressionable, and if she smokes, they're gonna smoke and She's surprised they're watching, and Lily, we sure are, sweetheart. You look fabulous. I do not like Robin's outfit. But I guess at least being a supportive friend. <laughs> You're just a hater. Apparently. They talk her out of smoking. And then she drops the cigarette in Don's coffee, and it just lights up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Barney offers, after they give that inspiring speech, that... He has a pack stashed up on the roof, so they all go up there. This really is what it's like for people that don't smoke anymore. If you offer them one, they'll take a one-off anytime. <laughs> I have heard opposite from people that have quit. They're like, oh, no, I can't handle the smell of it anymore. That, that happens sometimes, too, but I've seen a lot of people just be like, yeah, I'll have one. I've been that person <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> and they're kind of bashing on Don when she gets up there, and Lily says, that Don guy, what a tool. Robin says he apologized. She actually apologized to her, and she goes, no, I mean, when he stood up, those briefs were pretty revealing. You should date that guy. <laughs> That's a good line. Right. Robin laughs that off, and then we get narrator Ted popping in that they were dating within three months. And then we get another last cigarette ever seen. And then we come to find out, like, okay, it wasn't anybody's actual last cigarette, but we, you know, everybody did eventually quit. Yeah, they tapered off over time. I think Barney was the last one in 2017. Right. To quit. We get one last scene. Marshall showing back up in the past. Mm-hmm. I like how his young young Marshall's friend runs away. <laughs> right. <laughs> Apparently Marshall has come with a picture of Lily to share. And says this will be your wife, so this is a reason to not quit. Um, so this is a reason to stop smoking, to not become a smoker. Young Marshall thinks she's hot and then wants to go into his tent with the picture. 
And it is the world's <laughs> smallest tent. There's no way <laughs> he fits in that. that tent. It's like a pup tent. <laughs> and Marshall first tries to stop him. No, no, wait. Oh, go ahead. Have fun. <laughs> okay. Where do you think I ranked this? Oh, let's see. Oh, you did the let's see again. <laughs> Damn it. So predictable. Hmm. I'm going to go 26. You nailed it. <gasps> yes! Have I ever gotten it before? Yeah, you've gotten it a few times. Oh, okay. Oh, man. And this isn't as impressive as those other times because you've really narrowed it down quite a bit. That's true. But, I'm so proud of myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to end up going higher because I really did like this episode and I've been very vocal about it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it fits right in between the three-day rule and slap bet. Yep, so top 30. So it actually beats the Rob and Sparkles episode. Oh, that's kind of surprising, actually. Well, uh, you probably don't remember this because you don't re-listen to our podcast, but our conversation around Slap Bet was that it had really good scenes around the Robin Sparkle stuff, but the rest of the episode was just so-so. Yeah, that's right. And the, the Robin Sparkle stuff really lifted it up. So my favorite line was Precious Porcelain Unicorn. <laughs> um, so my favorite line was Lily's, we already have four Viking lamps, but I Ooh, think... Ooh, I didn't even like that one. Wow. <laughs> I liked it a lot. Um, but I think my favorite... Moment? Yes, moment was um, Arthur sharing that Tugboat was on his shirt. Because oh. it was so silly. <laughs> what was your least favorite? Um, a split between Where's His Face and that other one we had just talked about. Oh, the, yeah, when Marshall's arguing with Ted about, you know, maybe I should move it closer to your ass. I think, oh, what was I saying, the line that got ruined? Oh, Barney's. Oh, yeah, when he was, like, coughing and saying. Saying that how ripped he was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the ripped part. Okay. That's probably my least favorite. If for no other reason than it ruined a really good start of a joke. Okay. Um, next week we have Girls versus Suits. Mm, okay. Which is a very famous episode of the series because it has a really good dance number. Right. But I don't like it that much. And I, I don't remember why yet, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I vaguely remember like when it first came out being like, I think I'm supposed to be impressed by this, and I'm really not. I kind of like the dance and song sequence, but the, I feel like the rest of the episode, there's not a lot going on. I feel like this one actually, like, I think I didn't like that whole song and dancing initially. Like, I thought it was trying too hard, but I think it's grown on me more since the original watch. Well, I feel like his whole, the whole Barney morning, a suit being ruined, is just a little too cartoonish. Mm-hmm. For his character. Yeah. Like he's ha- had a funeral for it or something. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember what the rest of the There was a good scene. In that one. There is a good scene with Robin behind the bar. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because there's it's like, like the they're playing like cherry pie. Oh, my and gosh. And you got the wind blowing on her. It's, yeah, and it's an actress that was like fairly famous. Yeah, she's a wrestler. Yeah, like in dating, the late 2000s. She was dating George Clooney at the time. Oh, that she? came out. I yeah. I, I think she had a, a multi year relationship with George Clooney. Okay. So, yeah, I remember her being, yeah, kind of famous at the time, and now, like, I can't even remember her name and can't remember anything I've seen her in. Okay. Well, I think we're going to talk for the next two or three minutes about the last episode of How I Met Your Father. Let me, 
How I Met Your Father, Season 1, Episode 5, The Good Mom. We, we didn't care for this. <laughs> I'm trying very hard to like this show. I think I, I laughed want... two or three times the yeah. entire episode. I want to like it. This is the universe that I love. It's like creators that I love. I don't understand. Some of the characters are not... even likable. Yeah, I don't understand why it's not clicking. Like, And again, yeah, like comparing it to, and I can't remember if we made the same comparison before, but like, you know, we watched Atlanta and there was like a million laughs in that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like any other show that I watch. Saved by the Bell was the one we used. Oh, the Saved new, by the, the Bell. The new Saved by the yeah. Bell is just nonstop laughs. Right. And so, yeah, it's like any other like comedy that we're watching is like a lot of laughs. And this one is just like, I'm fair, barely like forcing out a chuckle. I don't. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I have quite a few pity laughs in it, and I'm trying to find the laugh. So in this episode, we meet Sophie's mother. Mm-hmm. And, Made by Paget Brewster. Yeah, who we knew best from Friends. Mm-hmm. As and then I forgot I knew from Community. Kathy, who switched from Joey to Chandler. Mm-hmm. Was that was that season one? It was like in the no. first couple seasons. Yeah, it was early, but not season one. Um, and I guess she was also on Criminal Minds, too, but we don't watch that show. But I recognize—it's funny, because the first time I saw her, I was like, I don't know who that actress is. And then halfway through the show, I said, is that Kathy from Friends? Yeah, because I remember being like, oh, I'm surprised they At didn't do— At certain angles, you can yeah. start to tell. But when, yeah, when she first came out, I was like, oh, I'm surprised they didn't do a little bit of like stunt casting here. And it's like, oh, they did. <laughs> I <just> yeah. I <laughs> didn't recognize her. So, yeah, you know, and I, I didn't get the sense of, like, does she live in New York? Like, she kind of showed up unexpectedly, but it didn't seem like she was traveling. I think she roams around. Maybe, yeah. She goes where the wind blows. Yeah, and so Sophie was supposed to have a date with Drew, is that the guy's name? Yeah, I believe so. And so she kind of cancels that because her mom wants her to go see Meet, her new boyfriend's yeah. show, and then she's going to go on tour with him. Turns out the boyfriend's in his early 20s. Mm-hmm. And she's and the mom's cheating. The mom's got to be what in the fifty in her mid fifties, I would think. I mean, if Sophie's thirty, we could guess. Yeah, probably About late forties at the earliest. Probably fifties. Yeah, she was a, a former model. There just wasn't really any laughs in this. And the whole point was sometimes you let people walk all over you, or you give them the benefit of the doubt all the time. Right. So, I mean, it it changed Sophie's perspective on her childhood, because the way she remembered it was that... Guys were always dumping on her mom, and really the reality is probably her mom was always dumping on guys. Yeah. Her mom, yeah, was mistreated by guys. They always had to move because of it, and then she comes to find out, like, no, a lot of it was her mom... Her mom's kind of wanderlust, and so Sophie gets really mad of, like, you know, you uprooted my childhood again and again and again... For what? And so, you know, at the end of it, she just leaves and... Goes back to Drew. So, you know, maybe it was supposed to be an emotional moving the story forward. You know, there there have been those episodes of How I Met Your Mother that aren't full of a ton of laughs, but... When she shows up at Drew, he gives this horrible... (laughs) Charade. Charade. I'm glad to see you or something like that. Or happy to see you. Really bad cheesy. In the episode, Ellen is trying to get with... The granddaughter of someone who's having a funeral across the hall from her. Yeah, or, her neighbor saying, that died. They're either having a, I don't know, maybe just a get together. I think it was probably a wake. I'm sorry, it I, I'm sorry, it's Shiva. They were probably sitting in Shiva, which we became, you know, I'm very familiar with in the last couple months. Right. Um, yeah, and then it ties into, you know, Charlie has made, I guess, 
Ellen and Charlie are roommates now, and Charlie's made friends with a lot of the older women in the building, and so she tries to get some intel because she tries to pretend like she was this old lady's best friend to ingratiate herself to the granddaughter. And then Charlie mixes up who the old ladies were and tells her that, you know, she didn't have any kids, so she didn't have any grandkids. This lady's probably just a schemer. And then he was wrong. And so that ruined Ellen's chances. Also, and the granddaughter was going to take the apartment. Charlie's trying to figure out what he wants to do. He's trying to become (laughs) sort of a life coach in a way to, um, what are the guy's names? Sid and Jesse? Yeah, that sounds right. And then there's a side story about Sid having had his first masturbatorial session to a poster of Sophie's mom, and so he's very uncomfortable in this episode. That also ended traumatically. (laughs) Right. So, things happened in the episode. It wasn't that funny. I keep hoping it's going to get better. We're halfway through. Yeah, so we'll, we'll complete season one, and we'll... Talk about it. And then if if it doesn't get a lot better, we're not continuing on to season two. <laughs> now, I do see teases that there's a cameo from one of the main cast. Yeah. I got from How I Met Your Mother. That. I have not been spoiled oh, on it, okay. so don't tell me. Oh, no, I wasn't going to. <laughs> but, but I got spoiled on that real, but, real early. That's, that's sort of a reason for us to keep going and the way it's been. Right. To find out what that is, and I'm guessing most of our listeners already know the answer to that. Yeah, I think, I can't remember exactly, but I think I got spoiled because I went on Twitter and because our Twitter follows all the creators and, you know, how I met your father, I yeah, saw a picture. Well, with Elon Musk in charge, there'll be no more spoilers on Twitter. <laughs> Again, all right. I don't pay attention to the news. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> okay. So with that... Mm-hmm. Long we will, episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll get back with everyone next week for Girls vs. Suits. Yeah. We might not actually get this, get the next one out. As quickly because we are leaving for vacation at the end of next week. Right. So even if we record one, I'm very doubtful that I'll be able to edit it it's before be we go. Tricky because yeah, we're going on vacation, and then after we get back from vacation, I'm going to be out of town for a week for a work training. So we might have a little hiatus here. So at any rate, happy 10th anniversary <gasps> as of tomorrow to Thanks, my baby. lovely, lovely wife and more than just a co. Podcaster. <laughs> Thanks, Annie. Happy All anniversary. Right. Mwah. Goodbye, y'all. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>